Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is everything you need for tips, tricks, and things to just be generally awesome. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm your host, Claire. And this is RDH Bites. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is your co-host, Amanda Mitchell. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Amanda Wilson. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Aloha, everyone. Aloha from Hawaii. Aloha. I love it. So Amanda Wilson, she's an orthodontist, a dental consultant, and an advisor by profession. So she worked for 10 years full-time in private practice in the San Francisco Bay Area. Love that area. It is so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She created Straight Smile Solutions as an orthodontic consulting company that directly services dentists, dental specialists, and dental labs for their unique needs. So Amanda, can you tell me a little bit about that? What do you do with your consulting business and how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. And do you mind if I give a, like a two-minute backstory as to how this happened? Because I'm sure Please. a lot of your listeners who are professionals are like, why did she leave her orthodontist practice? So I'm sure it's the same thing with a lot of your listeners. I consider hygienist professionals as well. You know, we're servicing the community and you can get like a little bit burnt out sometimes, especially if you have, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to any of your listeners, but sometimes, you know, as a female, and I married my dental school sweetheart, Dr. Wong. So we sat next to each other, Wilson and Wong in residency in dental school at UCSF. And I guess I really never knew that once two professionals get married and have kids, like how difficult it was going to be. So back when our kids were tiny, like three and six, and we were in San Francisco, it was so tricky sometimes because when one would get sick or get the flu or get a cold, you know, we couldn't have nannies or daycare. And it was always like, okay, who's going to cancel their schedule? You know, who has the least production on the book? Who has the most production on the book? So it was just kind of disruptive in our personal life. So we made a decision for, we said for a few years, let's move back to Hawaii where he's from, get some help from family. And then, you know, we'll kind of think if I can do something else, you know, in the dental profession that maybe had more flexible hours. That's how I kind of came up with my consulting business. And it had been a side hustle for a little while, you know, during some recessions back in 2008, 2009. And my husband was like all for it. He's like, give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So I started growing this kind of side hustle business and it, I was able to leave my practice full time. So I definitely want to give hope to anyone. If you're kind of feeling a little burnt out, you need a break. There are lots of opportunities out there or you can create your own. And I'm really glad to talk to your group about that. But yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Now I'll answer your question. That's so interesting. <laughs> so I wish y'all could see Amanda right now. She has surfboards behind her. You know, she lives in Honolulu. So I just think that's such a cool transition for you and your family and being able to do something in consulting. Yes, you're right. There are so many career paths. It is, but yeah. I miss patience. I'll be really honest. Like I'm, I'm kind of itching to get back, but right now I'm like, I thought it would get easier as I had teenagers. I don't know if you have kids yet or anyone else does, but now they're like busier than ever. So my, right. my son actually is going out for division one recruiting for swimming and he's going to try to make the uh, 2024 Olympics for swimming. So we'll see what happens. But it really, it's cool though, because it takes me, I can go anywhere with my work wherever he ends up. So that's the beauty of it. But in any case, I love what I do. Um, my ultimate goal, and I'm sure I know hygienists feel this too, where they see patients that have had like, you know, extractions and bicuspid extractions, and they might have airway issues and things like that. And I started putting two and two together in my practice going, ah, I hate this. You know, I, I hate that I'm having these patients come back to me that have had teeth extracted, teeth extracted, and they're having, they're struggling. They're struggling to breathe. They're not happy about their profiles. I really want to, just like you're doing, you're teaching and educating. I love teaching and educating. And we don't have a dental school where I live. So 
This was like the next best thing. So I started making YouTube content. And if y'all want to access this, and this is why I was so excited to connect with you, is I threw it all up in my YouTube. So if you go to Straight Smile Solutions YouTube, I have over 6,500 videos to date. And I really started doing this during COVID when I was bored. Anything you can think of, I've made a video about it having to do with ortho, anything related to ortho. And, and I take requests. So if any of you want to learn something and you don't see it in my current library, you know, give me a message and I'd be glad to help you out and teach you. And it's totally free. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that resource sure. because especially students are looking for ways to mm-hmm. educate their patients and discuss these things and having these resources available. So I yes. love that. So that was Straight Smile Solutions on mm-hmm. YouTube, right? Totally free. Yeah. Occasional ad here and there. Basically well, just pays for my Starbucks YouTube, coffee. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> but you that's know, YouTube. I really, really wanted just to tell you and your listeners that I work with so many practices that are mostly general dental practices, some pediatric dental practices, teaching the doctors and the team to do how ortho can really benefit their patients. And a lot of practices, I'm working directly with the hygienist and a lot of practices, it's hygiene that runs that division. You know, they're the ones that the patients trust. They understand occlusion. They understand periodontal disease and they understand how straight teeth and having a good bite can help the patient and a good airway. And in a lot of offices, and I'd be glad to give you ideas if anyone wants to connect with me, it's totally free. You can go to my website, schedule a call. It's for any dental professional, including hygienists. If you want to get ideas on how you could bring that kind of division and pitch it to your doctor, I'd be glad to give you suggestions because it's a great additional revenue booster, I think, for hygienists. I agree. I loved doing Invisalign when I was in practice. Cool. Placing the buttons. Great. Yeah, all of that. It was was just so much fun. Oh, you did that? Good. Yeah. 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 I got to do that Mm -hmm. in Michigan. We had a lot lot more freedom in Michigan. I've worked in Michigan, Mm -hmm. Texas, and Tennessee. In Michigan, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of freedom. In Texas, not so much. And now in Tennessee, yeah, yeah, kind of back different. in the middle. Yeah. Mm, okay, so good. we kind of have a background. We've talked a little bit about it, but what is our topic for today? What are we focusing on? Sure. I mean, anything that anybody would like to discuss or if you have ideas, but mostly I was thinking about how your hygiene students or even new, new grad hygienists can learn about more about ortho if they have questions about ortho, about, you know, things that, you know, really come up and maybe how occlusion can help with periodontal disease or things like that. So I don't know if you want some ideas or if you have questions or anything like that. Let's just kind of jump into all of that sure, and talk about, you know, one thing that you've said to me is hygiene isn't just about cleaning teeth. I think it was the Correct. view that said once, you know, it's about picking this tool for this tooth. And I was like, it's an mm-hmm. instrument, first of all, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so I tell my students this all the time. You're not teeth cleaners. You're healthcare professionals. Not at all. Can you tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about educating patients for systemic health based on orthodontia and periodontitis, things like that? Just the connection that you see. Sure. I mean, and we know all this. We know that basically teeth that are not in good occlusion, you know, maybe they have, oh, let me tell you a personal story and then we'll kind of get to that. So Love it. this yes. is my personal, like what my hygienist kind of told me. So, and, and how it affected me before I was even an orthodontist. So I had braces when I was 17, 18, 19. So it was kind of in high school, kind of in college, terrible time to have braces. So I really, really want you to screen all your little kiddos. And, and remember, Braces, I mean, my teeth were straight, but I had a bad bite. And my doctor never noticed and never mentioned anything to my parents, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I know they're not perfect, but I mean, the doctor says they're okay, so I guess they're okay. Well, what started happening, you know, when I was 17, 18, as my bite was so deep, oh, let's see if I have a, hang on, I always have type it on. So 
you know, let's talk about overbite and stuff. So overbite is the same thing as deep bite, right? Some people think overbite is when your teeth are ahead, but overbite is actually deep bite. So when you bite down, you're supposed to see some of your lower teeth and your lower teeth should not hit the roof of your mouth. If they do, that's a very deep overbite. So I like to see 10, 20, 30% overbite. I can accept as much as 40%. We don't want to have open bite. We don't want to have deep bite, right? So what was happening with me is my teeth were straight, but I was hitting the roof of my mouth. So Mm. 100% overbite like this, like like almost like a shark, you know, from the side. And what it was doing is it was causing frematis of the top teeth up here. Mm. And that frematis was causing bone breakdown and root breakdown. So it was so funny. I didn't know anything really about how bad it was because no one mentioned it to me even when I had braces until I went to dental school. And we would take all of our classes at UCSF with the hygiene students. So that, I really have to give the credit to the hygiene students. So I think it was one of our hygiene friends that was taking my FMX or my Pano or something. And she's like, dang, what happened to your teeth? You have no roots left on eight and nine. They're like literally nubs and they're loose, you know? And I was like, what? I didn't know this. I mean, I knew I never felt comfortable biting into an apple or a bagel because it felt kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it, we, you know, we studied each other and we checked it out. And, you know, we had the hygienist would, would check our teeth and we checked theirs. And they were like, yeah, you have frematis. It's probably because of your bite. You really should consider going back into braces again, you know, which I ended up doing eventually. But it's really just something to keep in mind, just really studying the whole bite of your teeth. And when you see something that's not right with a patient, especially in the absence of any inflammatory periodontal disease, and you see mobility, or you're seeing tissue breakdown, you'll think about occlusion. That's really what it comes down to. And students, I want to do a quick board review. Frematis, it's what occurs when your teeth move in occlusion. So when you bite Mm -hmm. down, if your teeth are moving, that's not normal. We call that frematis. And Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of incorporated into the 2018 AAP classification where mobility and occlusal dysfunction are now recognized as causes mm-hmm. of periodontitis. So that was really exciting. I didn't uh, even know that, but I mean, I knew it was, but I didn't know yeah. it was officially declared as that. So that's pretty yeah. cool. You taught me something. I love perio. So this is kind of, you know, I'm getting ready to teach perio again. So, okay. So thank you for sharing that story, that, you know, kind of personal story with us. I had braces when I was 12. I didn't know what it meant. You know, I was in, in and out in 11 months. So I see all the time patients with blunted anterior roots Mm -hmm. and, you know, their bite isn't quite right. And I say, don't rush it. Don't rush Mm -hmm. taking your, you know, getting out of ortho because you're tired of it, but totally agree. Okay. So when you talk to patients, can you tell me a little bit about patient understanding and why ortho, how we can, you know, communicate that ortho is about more than aesthetics. Yeah. I mean, that's just basically all it is. I mean, I think the biggest mistake that doctors make is that they're so focused on sales, 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 and they really think their patients just want straight teeth. And what you really don't want to do is you don't want to go to the patient and say, Hey, would you like to have an orthodontic exam? No, you don't say that. I mean, obviously, in little kids, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, the parents will probably say yes. But, you know, for way younger kids or, you know, adults, they're always like, no, nah, I don't need that. You don't want to say that. You just, I really believe in making the orthodontic screening, but I don't say orthodontic. I say like occlusion screening, you know, or bite screening. It should really be standard of care in every single new patient exam or even recall exam, maybe on an annual basis. Maybe you don't have to do it every six months. And I think a lot of hygienists do that too, where they maybe won't probe every six months. They might probe mm-hmm. every year. So this could be something that you do on the alternate visit or something like that. Just like, you know, before when I first 
was growing up, we didn't have oral cancer screenings. We didn't have periodontal screenings. I remember right. when I was a kid, they didn't even wear gloves in the dentist's office. That just right. aged me. So I remember the taste of the doctor's hands. It was kind of gross. So I was so happy when they started wearing gloves. But in any case, yeah, I mean, just really taking a close look at their bite. I mean, if you're seeing things like fractions or attrition and a lot of these things, you know, that's not right. So let's find the solution. Another thing that can be causing those just to even open up the door to more cool things that you can talk about with your patients is airway. And I'm super, super love airway because I feel like so few people understand the benefits of having a good airway, but having a bad airway can cause bruxism, can cause a lot of these things to happen. So you can also screen for airway. Doesn't mean you're necessarily giving a diagnosis. And the funny thing is even in a lot of states, the dentist can't even necessarily give a full sleep disordered breathing or a full OSA diagnosis. Sometimes they have to have an MP. So it's really a gray area. But you can look at things that you notice, you know, obviously, if there's constricted arches, and you're checking malampati and things like that, if you're seeing things that aren't right, you can put two and two together. And sometimes having a better airway can help have better teeth and better health of teeth and gums. Agreed. And I think that's a huge thing that we're seeing a shift towards in orthodontics with patients instead of extracting the premolars, we're making Mm -hmm. more room in the arches. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks are coming through now who have sleep disorders and really horrendous malampati scores because they had those premolars extracted. So like you said, now their profile's off, they're having trouble sleeping, Mm -hmm. they're snoring, all of these things. So yes, I am 100% seeing this. And for students, you know, we're checking occlusion, we're checking malampati and sleep apnea scores every single visit. We didn't even learn that in dental school. So that's cool that you guys are doing that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I didn't learn it in school either. So now that we're seeing more of it and incorporating it into the dental hygiene education, I hope that this message starts to get out there a lot more. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. Okay. So can you give us a few tips that you'd like to share? You know, we can go over occlusion or, you know, airway, all of it, whatever you like. Let's talk about airway. I'm sure you guys know a lot about occlusion already. But yeah, I mean, just checking the malampati. I mean, I really believe you should start checking airway on, and I don't know if your hygienist or your new hygiene students are seeing little kids for their hygiene or they're seeing adults. But even if you're seeing littles, like two, three, four-year-olds, you can check airway on them. And I'm super glad if any of your listeners would like a copy of either an adult sleep screening form or a kid's sleep screening form, that'd be something that I'd be glad to give them give any of your students, they can just reach out to me and I will email it to you. But it's a great idea for your doctors to be incorporating that screening because for kids, it presents very differently than it does in adults. So kids, sometimes when they're not sleeping well, they're getting hyperactive. You know, it Mm -hmm. almost mimics the symptoms of ADHD. And sometimes there is some overlap there and there's a, it's a big gray area right now. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I teach a few CEs about ADHD and that's one of the things to rule out at the beginning Mm -hmm. is does your Mm -hmm. child have sleep apnea, which is, you Mm -hmm. know, for a three and four year old, that's difficult to assess. But sometimes after addressing those issues, the child has Mm -hmm. no more behavioral you know, problems. So cool. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Actually, I want to share a cool story with you. I've got lots of personal yes, stories. So I'm not going to mention that. who this person's about. It's a family member of mine. I have a big family. So when I first graduated, I had a practice in California, like I mentioned. One of my patients was a, I must say, a close family member of mine who was younger. He was about eight years old. I mean, I knew because obviously it was a very close family member, things that were going on in his medical history that maybe wouldn't have been put in a 
actual medical history. So one thing that this kid had, and I, in my mind, I had no idea this had anything to do with dentistry. You know, I'd never connected the dots was, um, he was eight, he was in third or fourth grade at the time. And he was bedwetting on a regular basis. Mm. Like it was so bad that he had the electric underwear where the bells would go off in the middle of the night. It was so bad that he couldn't go to a slumber party. He couldn't go to camp because he'd have to wear a diaper at night. You know, and he'd have to hide the diaper. And when he'd go to Boy Scout camp, he'd have to take it off and kick this pull up into his sleeping bag and it would stink and stuff like that. And it was so traumatic for him. And it actually was affecting his social skills. It was affecting his self-confidence, you know, and and of course the parent had no idea this had anything to do with airway or potentially his orthodontic bite. So he presented to me with a slight anterior open bite, with a tongue thrust, with narrow maxilla, things like that. So we did an expander. We had a tongue crib. We had a couple of things like that. We were working on tongue exercises. Um, This was kind of before they even had OMTs. So it was kind of that kind of stuff. You know, we did a two by four. We closed his faces. Boom, done. Phase one treatment. He looked fantastic at the end. Took it off. He was, next time I saw him, he was a totally different kid. Mm -hmm. Like he was dressing nice. He had better hygiene in general. You know, he was like, he he was not like a gross little boy anymore. He was like a boy, you know? And the mom was like, I don't know what happened. As soon as we finished this ortho, he's a whole different kid. He's got more self-confidence. He's doing better in school. The teachers are noticing a different, I don't know if it has anything to do with your ortho or not. He stopped bedwetting too. And this kid had been to like Stanford physicians, had mm-hmm. been to like nephrologists and the top kidney specialists and they couldn't figure it out. So she was like, that's just so weird. And I was like, well, that's just so weird. Maybe he just grew out of it. And then I start seeing research now that loosely connects airway with bedwetting you know, having a bad airway equals, and and it's just bizarre. And it really just, I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea, you know? And I don't think he's bad, but he's in college now. I don't think it's come back, but I just really wanted to share that. I mean, there's so many ways you can help these kiddo patients just with orthodontics and airway. And that brings us back to one of our very first points. We are not teeth cleaners as our EHs, you know, dentists, doctors, assistants, everybody in the dental office plays such a huge role in the overall health and well-being, not just health, but, you know, the well-being of patients. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even the teachers noticed that he wasn't hyper in the class anymore and just all kind of crazy stuff. So I feel like you guys really connect more to the patients and the parents. I think a lot of times they're really kind of afraid to talk to us, not that we're really intimidating, but they know that our time is, you know, is, is busy and they, they don't want to tell us all kinds of things, but you guys have more time to get to know them. So this is, I just right. wanted to plant that seed in your head because you probably aren't learning that in school. But just, you know, as you get to know the patients, if you're observing behavior, then you're like, hmm, I wonder if he has ADHD. Sometimes they're not even diagnosed, you know, right. but you can start opening up that conversation and be thinking in your head, airway, airway, airway. How can I help this kid? I love that. Oh, that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. So at what age do you generally say kiddos should be screened by the orthodontist? Great question. So I know that's the official answer that we're all taught in school is seven. That's right. what we were taught in residency too. And there's even flyers to say, take your kid to the orthodontist by seven, but I say two. So yeah. I have completely changed that. And I have the, I can tell you, you guys can get this ability too, where I can look at any two-year-old out there. It's a great party trick, you know, where I can look at any two-year-old and by then they should have their 20 baby teeth in, you know, right. um, and you can look at their bite. What do we want to see? Oh my goodness. I should have all my typodonts ready. Hang on. You're going to see my head. Duck down for those of you on video. Let's see. I think I have a pedo one flying around here somewhere. Uh, maybe I do. Okay. This is kind of a pedo one here. But I mean, we actually want to see six millimeters of space between the incisors. That is ideal. And even in this type of on that I'm showing you, for those of you who don't have video, this is actually not what we want to see. 
But we want to see six millimeters of spacing. That is ideal. Studies show that if we have six millimeters of spacing per arch at age two, three, four, five, then it's very unlikely they're going to have crowding. So we want to see, you know, not really major overjet, overbite. We want to see six millimeters of spacing. A lot of times when you see those six millimeters of spacing, the parents are like, oh no, he has gap teeth. We're like, no, that's what we want. Yes. We don't want them to be all closed up. This is a, yes. This is a quick shout out to my best friend, Chelsea. I told you so. (laughs) I tell her all the time. My goddaughter, her daughter has amazing spacing in her primary dentition. And I said, this is great. This is going to be awesome. She did so well with sleep training and all of these things. So Chloe, Aunt Panda loves you. Little shout out there. Panda, oh my goodness, that was my nickname too. Yes, that's what my, yeah, my, my goddaughter, my nieces, nephews, they all call me Aunt Panda. That was my camp name. I love it, Amanda Panda. Very good. I know, Amanda Panda, here we are. (laughs) Well done. Oh, we have so much in common. This is great. But yeah, that is totally true. Great party trick. Be screening your kids as they're coming in. The two-year-olds, the three-year-olds, the four-year-olds, the five-year-olds. Look for things. Just remember, I don't know if you've ever heard of the functional matrix theory. It's by Moz, I believe. And basically what it's saying is that, you know, we're born with genetics and in some ways our bites and stuff like that are going to be, or anything is going to be the way the genetics is programmed, but the environment also has an influence. And I don't know exactly yes. how much, but you know, if you're putting a thumb or a finger or a blankie or a stuffed animal in there, funny things are going to happen to the bite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make the front teeth go out. The top front teeth is going to make the lower teeth go back. Potentially it's going to, the cheek sucking will make the back teeth go in and potentially give you a narrow upper jaw, cause crowding. So, and, and it prevents the tongue and makes the arch high so that the tongue can't rest where it's supposed to go, which then makes the tongue have a tongue thrust sometimes. So all there's a sequelae of events that's going to happen, you know, when you have oral habits. Same thing can happen. There's a whole, basically, anthropo- I can't say that word, anthropological studies. And I'd be glad, guys named Card- Carducci, something like that. There's some really cool studies out there that basically show that crowding is a first world problem that didn't occur 300, 200, 100 years ago and still isn't occurring in tribal cultures in Asia and Africa and things like that. And and down in South America, they don't have crowding. Why do only more affluent people have crowding, you know, or people in first world more soft diets? So we're meant to be eating, you know, meats off a bone and, and hard root vegetables and tearing it and ripping it with our teeth. And because we're giving our kids more soft foods, more processed foods, I mean, Look at the baby food aisle. It's all soft and processed. It's mm-hmm. We think our kids are going to choke, but that's actually not really what happens. I mean, babies are meant to be breastfed till age two. I mean, and of course, I mean, there's I'm from Berkeley, so there's all kind of that going on where I'm right. from. I mean, I definitely saw a lot of it, but there's also working moms. Shoot, I was a working mom. I mean, I couldn't breastfeed my kid exclusively till age two. It was impossible. So right. of course, my kid had some crowding. I mean, I'm sorry, but the cool thing is, is that there's things we can do and it doesn't even have to be braces. There's cool trainers and things that we can do, even starting at age two that are very low cost that can be given, I mean, lab fee as low as $42. So let's put it yes. that way. There's no reason that we can't be getting every kid a better bite starting at age two. No reason to even have to wait till age seven or eight or nine to do expanders. Just catch it early and do minor stuff early. And right. the really cool thing is, and I can tell you this just from my own son, oh, Hang on. I'm going to, I do all kinds of funny things on podcasts. Hang on. I'm going to show you something. So, okay. My son is going to kill me if this shows up, but hopefully oh, not. No. Okay. So this is my son. Aww. He's now like almost 17, super handsome. Uh-huh. Anyways. But if you see in this picture, major overjet, major right. overbite. I mean, like 
Bucky, Bucky the Beaver, right? Um, <laughs> we started phase one on him and he never even had to do phase two. He never even had braces. It was just some training of occlusion, working with one of these nighttime appliances, lab fee super low, less than $100. He wore it at night for like a year, year and a half. And now he didn't even ever need braces or aligners. His teeth are perfect at 16. And he's yes. like, thank you so much. I mean, there's no reason that you don't have to have a lot of money to start improving your bite. As long as you start very young, that's the main thing. Yes. I'm really glad you said that because orthodontia, people think it's synonymous with braces and it's yes. not. There are, are yes. or Invisalign and they're like right. money, money, money. And exactly. they think that having two-phase treatment is for rich people. That is so not true. I'm like, I'm right. telling you, between 42 and $99 for one appliance can at least help to fix bites. Maybe not make it perfect, but it can make it better and get the patient out of a lot of trouble and help with airway. Yes. And a lot less heartache down the road. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. So any other tips or, you know, tricks for us when we're talking to patients or how do we approach this? (laughs) Yeah. Basically, how do we approach this from an educational standpoint to encourage patients to go to the orthodontist for their kids who are only two years old? don't even have to go to the orthodontist. I mean, there's no, that's what I wanted to get to is that I work with tons of general and pediatric dentists that do simpler ortho in their practice. So a lot of times it's, you know, your dentist is so, your owner dentist is so busy. They're not even thinking about this. There's no reason if you find this interesting, you can read up on it, you know, and and that's where I have that that playlist of over 6,000 videos is free. It's accessible. I'll send you the link afterwards. You can get on it. It's on my website. If you go there, it doesn't cost you anything. You can just start educating yourself and then you can go to your owner doctor and be like, hey, you know, I'm really fascinated about orthodontists. Here's what I like. What if we started doing more like phase one interceptive orthodontics in our office or aligners, doesn't have to be braces. I would love to, you know, start screening every patient for ortho starting at age two, you know, and then you can decide if you want to take that case or refer it out, but it's the right thing to do for our patients. And a lot of times if you do this, you're, you know, you're going to get a cut of the production. There's no reason that you cannot, or at least you get the records fee. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do and negotiate and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But in a lot of offices, the hygiene and the team is doing it all. 100%. The doctor does the treatment plan, which is the legal part, but hands-on in most states, if it's removables, you can do everything. Right. I love that. And, you know, for practicing hygienists, doctors, whoever's listening, assistants, this is a great way to market yourself and to show Mm -hmm. your value in a practice as well. You know, I took the Invisalign course my first year out of school because I said, you know, yes, I want to get on this. I want to recognize it early. And, you know, I know the job market is really hot right now for hygienists, especially. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, you guys never have a problem finding jobs. Yeah, By the way, if no. anybody wants to come to Hawaii, um, <laughs> I have jobs waiting for you. My husband would hire anyone in a heartbeat. They're always oh, my gosh. Yes. I love that. Okay. So I want to go over just one quick multiple choice question. So mm-hmm. what is the point of orthodontics? A, to make teeth straight. B, to fix the bite. C, to improve the airway, or D, all of the above. And I hope that from listening, our students and our listeners know the correct answer, which is... All of the above. All of the above. Yes, mm-hmm. I love these questions. The all of the above question. Right. Is that actually like an actual board question or something? No, I mean, it's just oh. a, a <laughs> multiple choice question. We, cool. we hit a couple board topics talking about overbite and mm-hmm. overjet, you know, the difference mm-hmm. between overbite and overjet and 
Fremitus, that's one thing we're seeing a lot more of, especially in perio, is fremitus and mm-hmm. occlusal dysfunction. You know, if the patients can't chew, masticatory dysfunction. So these are really terms mm-hmm. that are coming up in dental hygiene, and I, I love to see it. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Great. So any other advice for us or anything else you wanted to share? One more idea. And I think you and I had talked about this maybe before we went on the air. I can't remember, but I want to talk to you guys about OMT, oral myofunctional therapy. It is something that any hygienist can do. So to be an OMT, and it could be a side hustle. I mean, I think you have to run it under, if you want to learn more about it, my personal oral myofunctional therapist, and I'm in the process of going through treatment right now for a small tongue press. Might have to walk the walk and talk the talk. So, and mine is actually a hygienist. You can either be a hygienist, an SLP, speech and language pathologist, or a dentist or a physician. So you have to be one of the four and it's just a three or four day course. It's actually not that hard. I haven't taken the course, but it's been on my bucket list. But I mean, I work with this great hygienist who has a side hustle. She does hygiene three or four days a week. And then at the nights and on the weekends, she has her own OMT practice and um, she does very well, but she's super educated. She's amazing. And it's really helped me. I mean, I can tell you since I started doing it and I did have a tongue tie release about three weeks ago, a little bit brutal, (laughs) the surgery, I won't lie, but I'm so glad I did it. My sleep is a lot better. My airway is a lot better. My speech is way better. I mean, if you go back to my old videos, you might hear a list sometimes, especially if I was tired, it would come up if I didn't wear my retainer. So really want to encourage you to consider doing that. It makes you even more marketable. Love it. I love this. We had educational, some stuff about production and marketing. So this is Mm -hmm. amazing. Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today. We hope to have you back Thank you so much, Amanda. It was so great to meet you. Yeah. Have a great summer. And 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 who knows if if you're in Nashville in two weeks, give me a holler. Yes, that sounds great. Listeners, thank you so much. I will post the links to the websites mentioned during the podcast in the episode description. And we'll see you next time. Hey everybody, this is your co-host Amanda with a quick announcement. Have you looked at our VIP package yet? This has everything you need to help pass your national board exam. Whether you live in the United States, Canada, or really anywhere, our VIP package has something for everybody. We have recorded lectures, live lectures, curated and calibrated content made just for you to help you pass. Visit us today at studentrdh.com to sign up and for more information. See you next time.